Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From the people who turned a niche Scottish football podcast into a critically acclaimed TV show on the BBC. It's Review from the Terrace, a pop culture podcast network. Hello and welcome to the Still Game podcast. My name is Bethany Tenick. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Scottish Rewatchable. Hello and welcome to Review from the Turnbuckle. Debating the best in movies, iconic TV shows, classic albums, peak era wrestling and so much more. Some intern got fired for that. Like, <laughs> like, Jared! And what would you have done? <laughs> Loved it. What a moment. What a moment. Review from the Terrace brings together a collection of professionals, pals, misfits and special guest interviews. The one and only Ewan Angus. Big G Telfer. Director of Snow Games, Michael Hines. That's Review from the Terrace, a newly created podcast network with at least two shows dropping every week. Hi, neighbor. Good to see you, man. Good to see you, man. It's been a long time, man. <laughs> Many people will say it's the biggest moment in the history of this. It's about 35. <laughs> <laughs> Find us on Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Thursday's episode of a Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. I am Craig Fowler, and on this occasion I am joined by Craig G. Telfer. Hello there, Craig. And Sean McGuigan. Hello there, Craigs. And we're not going to talk about the lower leagues this week, but we might actually actually at the end if we have to cram in a little bit uh, of extra time to make up to 45 minutes, because we're going to talk about Scotland. But the reason I'm saying that we might talk a little bit at the end is because I'm not entirely sure we can fit in 45 minutes because we're going to talk about the Scotland game from last night. That was Scotland's 2-0 defeat in Denmark. Then we're going to talk about Faroe Islands 2, Scotland 2 from all the way back in 2002, I think it was. All the twos. (laughs) And And the zeros. We're probably going to talk about that. We might even talk about that more than we talk about the game from last night because I'll, I'll kick things off by just saying... I don't really know what to feel about this game because 
it's not it's not really something I'm completely surprised by. I think, in fact, I think if you asked me before the game what's going to happen, I would have said Scotland are going to lose. They're going to lose comfortably, <laughs> but they're not going to get completely annihilated. It'll be quite disappointing, a bit drab. Nothing much will happen for a Scotland perspective, but we'll definitely be outclassed by Denmark and we'll basically be where we are like 24 hours later. And to me, that's exactly where we are at the moment. Sean, you are a big, passionate Tartan Army foot soldier. What's your I... thoughts? I thought that the first half was mortifying. Yeah. Genuinely. So I, that, that like, the, there's times I watch Scotland and I'm like, well, well that's disappointing. Or, or there's, there's times I watch Scotland and I'm like, well, I'm quite gutted at that result. But every now and again, a performance comes along and I'm like, what on earth, what on earth are they, are the opposition fans thinking about us? Do you, do you think, that, do you think Sean, that, was, that, that, was- that, that was what I felt last night? I mean, I thought that that was the, the worst 45 minutes we've seen under Steve Clark. Worst 45 minutes I've seen in a long time. But do you think it was as bad as that? So I, I think I've seen every game under Steve Clark, with the exception of when we lost 4-0 in Russia. So I didn't see that game from the previous campaign. So, But from what I've seen, I thought that was as bad as anything we've produced uh, under him. And like, like, you know, as a Scotland fan, that when you take on the number one seed in the group, that you're probably not going to have a happy time of it. So I think the last time we beat a number one seed would have been Croatia in 2013, maybe. Beat them at Hamden 2-0 when Croatia set fire to Hamden. And then we, we got a draw against England when we drew 2-2 with them and then uh, the 2 free kicks Philly Griffiths. So you know, you know that there is a, a, a discrepancy in quality when it comes to being the number three seed, which we generally are sometimes worse, and the number one seed. However, to, to, to also shoot yourself in the foot, because not only was there a, a, a difference in quality between Denmark and ourselves, we set up in such a way that, that, that made us worse and it, it, it didn't make a lick of sense. And, and I, like you, you presume it's like, right, well, we've set up in such a way. I don't think this is a good idea. However, Steve Clark knows more about football than I do. So you know something? Maybe it'll work. And we were fucking hopeless. Mm-hmm. Like, like nothing about last night worked in that first half. And that's, that's what made it so frustrating. And there, there, is no, there was no positives you can take from last night whatsoever. And I, I know you can maybe try and hang your hat on the fact that we improved in the second half. And, and we did. We, we, we did get better. However, by the same token, Denmark knew that the game was done. They could conserve their energy for the next two games that are coming up. And so, just kind of held us at, at arm's length. Yeah. So you can't even really take you can't really take much positives from the, the second half performance either. And, and I don't really, I don't really agree with the theory that this was a this was a free hit because there's only ten games in this group, so no games are, are, are really a, a, a free hit. But what I do think was we we probably also gave away a free hit when we drew with Israel. Aye, and, and that's just it. We we probably so you fail to beat Austria at home, you drop points to Israel. Uh so you probably have to make up those points somewhere. So whether it's Denmark away or Denmark at home or Austria away, you have to you, you probably have to make up those points somewhere. And of those three games, one is now already away. And the the Austria game next week becomes massive. I haven't I haven't incidentally I haven't given up all hope. Like uh, Israel and Austria still have to play each other twice. Like if they if they take points 
points off of, off of each other in those two games. And, and then the, the last means day... we might even get away with a, a point in Austria. But I did. I think we'll take a point off of Austria based on what I saw last night. I'm uh, not really no. And then uh, just to add to your point, uh, just give us some hope. Uh, Israel did defeat Austria, and I think it was the last qualification campaign uh, for the Euros. They beat them three one, I think, in Israel. I mean, from what I've from from what I saw of Austria and uh, Hamden, I thought they were incrementally better than us. But we are are already aware that 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 Israel are stuffy, and I, I wouldn't necessarily expect uh, Austria to go to, to Israel and win. If they do go there and win, then then that puts even more emphasis on on Tuesday night's result. <laughs> I suppose before that, we also have the Moldova game. I, I would expect us to, to beat them quite comfortably, but Tuesday night's game becomes even more important because of because of how we how we did last night. Thank fuck. Talk, <laughs> Sean. <laughs> so you, you mentioned the team. Um, I think we all so yeah. So we should probably preface it by saying that there was there was a lot of players. There was call offs already. There were there was three players mm-hmm. that dropped out through injury. There was a couple missing that, that would have been in our full strength squad who weren't able to be included in the first place. And then we had the COVID call offs as well. So we were missing quite a lot of players. I think we went over with what was it sixteen outfield players and three goalkeepers. Yeah. So it, his hands were tied a little bit, but I think everybody assumed that the right wing back position was going to go to Ryan Fraser um, because he's right footed and he's somebody with a, a fair degree of pace. He can get up and down the park. I would have been maybe a little bit concerned about his defensive abilities, but he's somebody that at least puts a shift in. Uh, he certainly does uh, in a Scotland jersey. But it was just, then he, then he comes out with the team and it's Andy Robertson on the right, which I didn't have the, the hugest problem with. The kind of, it's just that all of it for me didn't really work out together. So I didn't really have a big problem with the, the centre-backs being who they were because they were just all big lumps. And it was like, OK, we're going to defend our box. And, and that's basically we're going to sit really deep, defend our box. But then we didn't even sit that deep to do that. And Clark talked about the midfield. Afterwards, he talked about the midfield being too disconnected and not being able to help out the defence, like almost as if they were too high or the defence was too far back. And then he was like, in the second half, we got more kind of... We looked a bit better on the ball. We, we took... We took more chances in tight spaces. Uh, we were a bit more confident. And I was like, if that was your kind of game plan for the team to be more confident on the ball, why would you pick those three defenders? Why would you, with Tierney and Robertson both fit, why would you not have Tierney on the left side of the back three and start Jack Henry, for instance, on the right? Uh, somebody who is a bit more confident on the ball. And then if this is your tactic as well, what was the front two about? Like, what was yeah. They were just kind of seem like two guys who are maybe our kind of quickest attackers to try and just feast off at anything we can do for them. The whole thing... Each each kind of bit made a wee bit sense to me. Even Robertson, a right wing back, you just want to get the you want to get the experienced guys in the park. You maybe don't trust Fraser defensively. You're, you're playing away from home to, as you said, strong uh, Sean, the strongest team in the league. All of it, if you take it bit by bit, each bit makes sense. But putting the whole sum of it together, none of it makes sense. What what, what was the sense of playing Andy Robertson wide right? Surely that whole system, the whole system of playing the, of Scotland. Predominantly, I can remember playing a back four. The whole move to the back three was to allow Kieran Tierney and Andy Robertson to to accommodate the pair of them in the same team. Surely, if you are without Nathan Patterson and you are without Stevie O'Donnell, then would it not make sense, more sense, to go to a back four and maybe play Kieran Tierney out as a sort of like I know he's not his, his best position, but play him as a as a right back because he's good enough to do it. Why on earth? I reckon that must be the first time Andy Robertson's ever played wide and his puff 
I just, you're, you're right, fellow. You summed up for me that, that none of the constituent parts made sense. The rationale, you could understand when it's explained away, the rationale makes sense. But when you see it put together, none of it did. And it just amounted to like balls, just like bypassing the midfield. You've got, you didn't even use like guys like Cal McGregor, Billy Gilmer in the first half, barely got a touch of the ball. And when they, would, they did, they were overwhelmed by, by Denmark. And it was just channel balls for like Ryan Fraser and Shea Adams to run to. It was, it was really, really poor. I, I, I think that's the worst 45 minutes we've seen under Steve Clark. And then you get the, the stuff that where, oh yeah, he, he realises he's made a mistake, takes off Scott McKenna, who wasn't having a good game, and then brings on Lyndon Dykes. And surely if you wanted to play long balls in the first place, you should have brought Lyndon, you should have had Lyndon Dykes on from the start. So... It seems to be a bit of a trend that we, that we do see that from from Steve Clark, where he, he'll start the game, perhaps have the have a formation or personnel that isn't right, change things about half time. But by that point, you're chasing the game. It happened against um, Czech Republic. Yep. It happened against Croatia. Israel away. Israel away. I mean, it, it's sometimes it's like yes, you can understand it because you know you you, you obviously put your best foot forward, but when it's happening again and again and again you maybe might have to ask questions as to, to what's going on there I'll get, I'll get, I'll get, sorry Sean Sean I'll get your point on that in a second I just want to expand on something you said there Telfer when you talked about like why not go to a four at the back that's kind of that's kind of my thinking as well because I thought the whole point and I was playing the system you know we've got so there's two points two reasons for it one of them is as you said it's to get Tierney and Robertson in the same team together another reason as well is that we're kind of noted or we were certainly noted when Clark first took over for having no centre-backs that were playing at any decent level. Mm. So it's kind of hard to play just two of them and, and get you know two guys there who are just going to protect the defence. So he comes up with this three where he sometimes has Tierney as the left-sided centre-back or usually has Tierney as left-sided centre-back and most of the time has Scott McTomin- McTominay as the right one. So it doesn't make you a very good defensive team, but it makes you a better team overall. It makes it easier for you to hold on to the ball and stuff. So there was no McTominay. Like, Tierney could easily go into the right and if he's if this is what he's doing, and this is why he brought in the three in the first place, I think we do actually have centre backs now that are playing at a decent level. Liam Cooper is now a Premier League player. So is Grant Hanley. Is that not is that not just about the same standard that Northern Ireland's team was built on of Gareth McCauley and Johnny Evans? It's, a, it's about there. It's not much different. Like why not? And, and he Steve Clark got this job in the first place from playing four four two or four four one one every week with Kelly. Like why not? Maybe give that a spin. Like, did we have to only play three four three or three five two or whatever the hell it is? Anyway, Sean, so what do you think about? Aye, what do you think about Telfer's point about Clark? Uh, this kind of worrying trend that he seems to continually get his team wrong for the start and have to change it. Uh, I, I agree, and and I agree with everything that you've said about the the, the three five two. If the, the three five two has only worked if we have had. Uh, central defenders who can play out for the back. So whether that's McTominay or Tierney or both. And it was absolutely, it was a system that was only come up with, it was only devised so that we could get Robertson on the left and Tierney uh, into the team as well and into some kind of semblance of shape or form that, that, that works for us. So if you're going to persist with that, then why would you remove Tierney from the, the, the three central positions and then put Robertson to the right? Because you're, you're essentially taking two of your better players, not just your better defenders, two of your better players, and put them into to positions that they probably don't want to be in. So you'd be as well just doing away with a 3-5-2 immediately. I, and thought, I thought it only made sense because I thought 
And the same goes with the centre-backs. I thought they were just going to sit so deep and he was basically putting in the, the better defenders, the more experienced defenders, and they weren't going to go forward that much. But you saw pretty early on, they were attacking, they were going forward. That was kind of part of the reason why we got cut open so easily. So none, yeah, again, yeah, none of it want, made if sense. If you want, to, to, to bear in mind, in, in terms of, if, if you want to trouble Denmark, so bear in mind who's sitting in front of, and incidentally, any system that involves Scott McKenna is a wrong system. Uh, I, I had... <laughs> I had a look at his stats. So bear in mind, we bear in mind we barely touched the ball in the first half. He made uh, one tackle. He made no interceptions. He had no blocked shots, and uh, there was something else that he didn't. Something else. It was a, a big fat zero for that. That, that made me burst out laughing. Scott McKenna is good enough to play for Scotland. I I've never been a, a very big Scott McKenna fan, and I hope he never plays for us again. I, I do not think he's good enough. But regardless, uh, if you look at what was. So, so in terms of defensive setup, fine. So, so he's went with that two wing backs who we wouldn't have went with and three lumps, three big kind of dough balls at centre half. Fine, we'll, we'll defend the penalty area. But in terms of troubling Denmark, you need your wing backs to get forward because that's going to provide you with a width. But Robertson, with the greatest one in the world, Robertson sometimes, well, often doesn't, give for Scotland what he gives for Liverpool. And that's playing in his natural position. I didn't expect him to provide more for us on the right, and he didn't. Uh, Tierney didn't get forward. And then in front of that, like I, I sometimes think McLean and McGregor I'd kind of fall between two st- stools. So I, I don't find them, certainly for Scotland, I don't find them creative. I don't find them destroyers. And I, I think because we had eventually became a back five, and we never had the ball, then they just had to sit in front of our back five and not really know where they should be or what they should be doing. And as a consequence, the forward two, which was Fraser and, and Che Adams, were trying to thrive on scraps. And it was never going to happen because what is Ryan Fraser? About five foot four, and mm-hmm. we're punting the ball to his head. It was it was an absolute shit show of a first half. And especially uh, then, Sean, just to tie your point there, the, the second Denmark goal. Bear in mind, this is 90 seconds after we've taken centre. The, the, I think Sky showed at one point we had seven players inside or just around the penalty box. Denmark had three, and they cut us open so badly. It was, it was one of those goals that you're just watching. I mean, phenomenal play from, uh, fr- from Denmark. I can't remember who it was, but the guy who flicked the pass into... Um, into uh, Mali for, to, to finish. Beautiful, beautiful setup. But the fact is, it's like you've got four extra players there and, and they're allowed to, 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 to do that to you. I, f- I found that mortifying. It was a Damsgaard that flicked up. Yeah, that's, that sounds right. Yes, I am. Um, Billy Gilmore to receive Michael Damsgaard's pass, yeah, and finish through the legs of Craig Gordon. Yeah, that's is it. Right. Is it Damsgaard that looks like, I, I couldn't make up my mind if he looks like a balding child? Well, I he, looks, he either looks like a very old young person or a very young old person, and I couldn't really. Like, I didn't know how old he was, so I, and I didn't Google it. So I, like, I don't know which one he is. He's pretty. He probably looks like a very old young person. I think I think he's fairly young. He looks like Tom Hanks in the movie Big, but if Big was real. <laughs> okay, um, positive. Billy Gilmore. Billy Gilmore's phenomenal, man. There's, I don't think there's any, anything else to be said. We didn't, as you said, Phil, right at the start, we didn't learn anything for this game. It sort of reinforced things that, that we already know. Billy Gilmore's so good. Just the, the way he wants the ball, his body shape, his ability to take the ball in tight spaces, relieve pressure. Didn't see much of it in the, the first half. So 
when we probably really needed him to do all those sort of things. But he did it well in the second half. However, as Sean made the point right at the start, that second half, though, that was a Denmark team who was like, well, we've got another couple of games coming up. Let's take our foot off the accelerator a wee bit. Let's have Scotland have the ball, conserve our energy. So, aye, he looked good. But it was against a team who, you know, weren't really... We're not really going for it at that point, so aye, you can be a positive at Billy Gilmore, but it's like a, it's like a positive. Um, it's like your car's been broken into. They've left the stereo, but they've taken the sunglasses out the glove compartment. <laughs> John, was there any other positives for you? Was there any positives for myself? Uh, I, I, I'm struggling here. <laughs> like, like who? Like who? I thought Grant Hanley played. He was uh, alright. I'd like, I thought it was okay. Certainly our best centre half. I hope. I. I. What could be another positive? Another positive could be that Steve Clark watched the game and thought, "I'll never do this ever again. I'll never play. I'll never play Andy Robertson on the right. I'll mm. never play Scott McKenna." And and that I suppose I suppose those things are, are positives when you think about it. Never, uh, I'd, I'd like to believe the second half of that being a being something that will actually happen. I think Scott McKenna will play again. I I'm starting to without without going back to check. We're playing now in a situation where three five two has given us more poor results than positive ones. Yes, and that's not a positive uh, because I think this might be here to stay. But I would, I would like him to at least change formation, depending on who we're playing, uh, rather than shoehorning personnel in who are ill-fitted to the system that he wants to play. He sure Whether does. that is going to change in the future, I, I, I don't know, but I'd, I'd like to think that he would uh, at least you consider know, it based on last night's performance. You see how he's saying, go, going back a couple of months, go back to the Euros against the, the game against the Czech Republic at the start. Remember when Kieran Tierney, we found out the morning of the game that Kieran Tierney was going to be missing, and everyone's like, fuck, but then you still go with the three-five-two formation, all the same. And just—I can't remember who it was that, that filled in for Tierney, but the formation just didn't, didn't really look as good without him being there. And the whole point was that you can get the underlapping runs down, down, down the down the right, down the right, down the left. And that makes it look so good. It, it just feels like I this the formation. You can't just stick the players into formation like this is what we play. This is it doesn't matter. It's not like FIFA. You know, you just don't pick all your players with the highest rating that are available. It's about like you should have more than one strategy. And it feels like that we that we don't really we that we don't really. Yeah, I think I kind of get the feeling he's now kind of too far in the woods to see the trees with this formation. Like he's he, he's worked at it for so long now. We've basically used nothing else uh, for I don't know what eighteen months or something. That I wonder whether he's just kind of just focused on tinkering with it and trying to make it perfect and trying to iron out these little kind of creases with it. Whereas he should maybe take a step back and think, is this right after all? Could I maybe but just never scrap win. this? We never win any games. How 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 thick are these woods that you can't <laughs> recognise that you never win any games with a system? We never beat anybody ever. I've also that so we've gone ten games now without. I suppose if you if you include that that John with Serbia, I think I read that stat. If you include John with Serbia that, that to get us qualif- game, qualifying for the Euro, we've won one game in ten, and that was against the Faroe Islands. Um, yeah, one competitive game. Yeah, one competitive match. So so then like, we I also like beat Luxembourg in a friendly. <laughs> I think I, that's, it just and, feels and, like the whole stuff about like him giving him being given a contract. 
like the response to it, I mean, only going by in social media, the response to it was quite lukewarm. The fact that you've extended his contract by a couple of years when, let's be honest, we're all hugely excited about getting to the Euros and that was a great buzz and that was a really good laugh. But let's hold your horses a wee bit. You know, hold your horses. Let's see if we get in this qualifying campaign and let's see what else you have to offer us because at the moment it's a formation that, isn't working and isn't really getting the best out of the, the certainly last night wasn't getting the, the best out of the players that were there. So I, I don't know, I don't know how many games uh, Clark has been in charge for now, but off the top of my head, I think we've had three good performances. So Serbia away, uh, England in the Euros, and the only other one I can think of is the friendly against Holland, who we drew 2 2. And and let's face it, it, it was a friendly against. It was a friendly, so so who gives a fuck? So you, you're kind of you are kind of struggling to find good performances. Yes, with a with a decent results, those those wins against those penalty victories uh, were uh, were something to enjoy. But in terms of performances, there hasn't been much. There hasn't been much, and and he's told to be in Israel in four attempts under Steve Clark. I, I know. I see little red flags everywhere. And the thing is, like Israel, Israel lose to everybody. Like Israel aren't very good, but but they seem to do okay against us. But maybe what? it's almost like he needs to change his system. Well, well, just change his system. <laughs> what would you go for? I was kind of thinking there while you were talking. I wondered whether. I think we maybe need. I don't know if we maybe need. This is the problem as well. We have so many centre midfielders and all, and I think that's why he also really likes the. The kind of three-five-two system is that you can stick one of these centre midfielders in the centre of defence. Uh, you can stick, you know, three of them in the middle of the park, and it doesn't cause as many problems. We probably do lack a little bit on the wings. Uh, we certainly lack a bit up front. Uh, you know, behind Adams, uh, Dykes is good guy to aim for a long ball, and that's about it. So I wonder, I wonder whether that's kind of holding them back as well. But I did, I was kind of thinking there, what about a kind of Rangers style? Like, you know, when Rangers like play away to like Porto or Benfica in Europe, and they look like, they're, they're not as good as them, but they look as good as them because of that system. And I wonder whether, kind of, if, when, if Ryan Jack ever, ever comes back for injury, uh, Ryan Jack, Billy Gilmore, to just kind of keep possession and to help us get a, a, a foothold in these kind of games with maybe them and maybe somebody like McGinn uh, kind of as a more kind of advanced one, or maybe even McGregor as well. So you've got three guys who could all keep the ball. And then have a front three of what would you have a front three of Adams, Christie, I suppose, and either Fraser or Forrest. Forrest. I, I think we desperately missed Jack. I, I think he was, I think he was a massive miss in the the Euros. I thought it was a massive miss last night. And I know, I, I, I know he's no kind of spring chicken, but I, I I don't know when he's. I was thinking about this last night. When is he back? Because I I, I feel we desperately need him. The last update, he was supposed to be back like now. But there's not been no update since that. That was in early August. So he's, he's certainly no. <laughs> Clark said he might be going to add one more player. It's not going to be. There's not going to be like a like a wrestling. Ah, that's Ryan Jack's music. <laughs> <laughs> all, the, all these Austrians shit themselves because of defensive midfielder back injury. We didn't add any players anyway. We just, we just go with this 15 or 16 outfield players. We'll just, well, we'll just leave it at that. Can we call anybody else up? Yes. Will we? No, we'll just leave it. Can we not get them back for the next two games? Uh, some of them. Ah, right, we'll get, we'll get, we'll get O'Donnell back. back. Brilliant. Again, it's back. <laughs> it's back. It's Parson back as well. You'll, you'll see back. 
Anything that stops us for calling up St. Johnson players, that was the first mistake. You give St. Johnson an inch, they take a mile. It's, and so I was quite happy to see Ali McCann and uh, Jason Kerr leave for buttons because they were getting a wee bit too big for their boots. A cup <laughs> double, that's one thing. Xander Clark being called up to the squad, that's something else entirely. No, no, no. They need to be reminded of their, their place in society. And, and so it's, good. <laughs> it's good that those two players have left. I, I do want... Sorry. I would I would call Kerr and I would call Kerr up immediately. Now they now he's at a decent team. Now, <laughs> now, they, now he's at somebody decent. Yes. Time we call I, I, Kerr. I agree wholeheartedly with you. I, want, I do wonder whether St. Johnson fans now think it's a complete disgrace. It's been Jason Kerr, uh, a League One player, is not being called up to the Scotland squad. And do you know what I do? You know what I do if I see for I, I, I wouldn't necessarily call anybody else up. I'd I just expel Scott McKenna. <laughs> I'd rather go with one player fewer. Then have to rely on that. There was two instances last night. There was a point where he—I don't know who was running at him—but he was—he was sold a dummy, and he went one way, and and the player went the other, and he was backtracking, and his legs, his legs totally got tangled up in each other, uh, and then there was a point where he, a lad—I don't know if he was asked to do it—but he inexplicably found himself in possession, and remember, like the kind of centre circle. And he, he started to stride forward. I was like, well, that's fine. Cool. Uh, like, let's like break the lines here and, and you stride forward. And he maybe took the ball about 30 yards and he touched it three times. And on every occasion, the ball went about five yards away from him. And if anybody, if anybody had put him under any pressure whatsoever, he, he just would have given the ball away. At no point was he in possession of the football. And don't get me wrong, it, it might be that he has played fantastically for Notts Forest this season, but he is... Is so far out of, his, out of his depth for Scotland, more so than I think anybody else. Here's an idea, Sean. Why don't the next time the team bus, imagine the team bus is leaving Denmark and they hear a thudding noise, a bump, or Steve Clark says, I can hear a thudding noise coming through outside the bus. Scott, would you mind going out and checking for us? Scott McKenna goes out to check the noise and the bus just drives away. <laughs> He's just stranded in Denmark forever. Yeah, Because I, I think he would... I think he would struggle to make his own way home. Okay, I saw like a 10-part HBO show about like uh, help Scott McKenna get home. Just a really uh, big thunder. He's just struggling in the continent. <laughs> I don't know. 10 years time as the documentary team goes over finding Scott McKenna. He's got a big beard. <laughs> just a woodsman now. Well, as long as he's not playing for Scotland, that's the most important. Like, uh, it's like searching for Sugar Man. It's like, where did, where did Scott McKenna ever go? <laughs> he was big in South Africa once. Aye. Aye, they all think he's dead. You know those like <laughs> stories about like Eritrean athletes, like they play for the Eritrean football team and they go over somewhere and they just don't come back. That's gonna be like Scott McKenna. Fingers crossed. <laughs> right, is there is there anything to say about Saturday's game other than we just want we want a really convincing performance? Maybe a, a formation change, a wee, a wee experiment, a formation change, a convincing performance, a convincing win, something to give us hope going into Tuesday. I know I already think, saying that, that none of that's going to happen. I don't think we're going to get that, Fowler. I think we'll probably win 2 0, and yep. it'll be like comfortable but un, unexciting. I think it'll be the, a, 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 a sort of job done. There they won't, they won't be much tempo to it. I think Scotland might play within themselves. Uh, but they'll still they'll still win. I mean, I'll be honest and say I know nothing about Moldova other than they're a tiny nation that that we should be that that we should in inverted commas be be beating. But that's all I can see. I mean, as, as Sean says, that like 
you, you can't really learn much. You learn much from playing against better sides. You know, like John two two with the Netherlands. That's a good performance. That gets you excited for the for the Euros. Like beating Moldova. See, we beat Moldova like three 0 four 0 What you learn from that? Nothing really. I think. Uh, like I, think I, I think we'll scud them because I think Moldova might be arguably the worst team in Europe. Uh, I, I think are worse than the Faroes. Worse than San Marino? What are you smoking? I I, I, I think that, I think they're down there. Mean Fowler one, isn't it? <laughs> but I think uh, bearing in mind that so, so I know that it often changes, but certainly in terms of the, it's not the head-to-head record that dictates where you finish, and in, uh, in this qualifying campaign, it's actually a goal difference. So we 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 probably need to scud Moldova by a good few goals just in case we end up. I mean, I, I think we'll end up fourth anyway, but just in case we end up joint second we could probably do a racking up a few goals because it's, it's goal difference that decides things uh, this time around. I don't think, well, I don't know, I can't remember what other Israel, uh, sorry, Austria's results were, but they did they did get pumped by Denmark 4-0. So, so I, see, looking at, so, so Austria, if Austria and Israel drop points to each other, we're not out of it like, at all. Uh, they play They play Israel on Saturday, which is, which feels like a really big game. I'm fairly certain it's in Israel. I, of course, have sat down and, and jotted down everybody's fixtures, uh, Scotland, Israel and Austria. I think, best case scenario, if Israel and Austria draw together twice, then we could end up on 19 points, Israel on 15 and Austria on 16. So that is, uh, that, that's what I'm pinning twice. my hopes. And that includes, <laughs> that includes a draw in Austria, incidentally. That includes a draw in Austria for us. Uh, on on Tuesday evening, but but yes, results still have to go our way. I have not given up hope. As as inept as we were, I am not giving up hope. I, I, I hadn't given up hope. I kind of have given up hope. But once you've mapped that out, we have, have to draw in Austria, and Austria have to draw with Israel twice. Austria are not very good. Like Austria, uh, Austria looked incrementally better than us at Hamden. I think they'll beat Israel, and they are. I think they'll beat Israel at home. Their 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 gigantic striker that, that scored against us at Hamden. I'm, I'm sure he's like half dead. So, so he's ruled out for the rest of the campaign. I Tuesday's honestly Tuesday's is, Tuesday is massive. Uh, as long as we don't get beat, I think we have an easier run in than Austria and Israel, and we we might just finish second and then get absolutely pumped in the playoffs by somebody. Well, that sounds, that sounds not too dissimilar to our European qualifying campaign for the two thousand and four Euros, Sean. There you go. There you go. Uh, I've no, my, my, a segue for you there, Fowler. Oh, that's a good, it's a very good segue. I had another one. And that Betty Vokes' final game for Scotland was a draw with Moldova. Yes. Yes, it was. So uh, Steve Clark draws on Saturday. <laughs> right. But anyway, yes. Uh, we've, I've ruined that now by just introducing two two segues. Um, but <laughs> yes. Let's... John, you got a segue fact. Do you want, do you want to bring a segue? So we've all got a segue to come into this section. Uh, we once played... Moldova, we're playing them again, but here's a section about Bertie Votes. <laughs> That's terrible. That's like Fowler's, but a thousand times worse. Well, I, well, I, I don't have anything prepared. <laughs> Let's go back to the 7th of September 2002. Faroe Islands 2, Scotland 2. This, of course, is the next on our list of the 50 most memorable games in Scotland's history. Now, number one in the UK chart were, was Starry-Eyed Surprise by Oakenfold. Oh, I remember that. Oh, yeah. how does that go? How, oh, how? ah, Starry-Eyed Surprise. 
And I can't remember the lyrics. I can barely remember the tune. Oh, oh ma, Staviad surprise. Yeah. <laughs> and number one at the UK box office was Insomnia, which I have to say, good movie. Oh, is that Chris Nolan? Yes. Never seen Aye, it. That is. Uh, I read that part on Wikipedia, though. I, I, have you never seen that film, Telfer? No, I know it's Al Pacino's uh, Out of His Wits. It's, uh, it's very good. Al Pacino is Out of His Wits because of insomnia. Yeah, and uh, Robert Williams is a very creepy guy. Ah, but what's he like in the movie? <laughs> no, you shouldn't speak ill of the dead, sorry. He's, uh, nah, he's, he's deceased. Yes, he he's great in Aladdin. And no, insomnia. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and one hour photo, he's okay in that. Dragging us I, back I didn't to necessarily f- like the movie, but he was, he was good in it. Dragging us back to football. Right, Sean, Mrs. I've got... Doubtfire. She, play, she plays... Mrs Doubtfire plays football in a montage to Dude Looks Like a Lady and scores all these goals. Mrs Doubtfire is played by Robin Williams, so bringing it back to Insomnia. And, and Patch Adams. Yeah, Patch Adams. Imagine, imagine being treated by Patch Adams. You'd be like, no, get me to Switzerland. <laughs> <laughs> Just get me to the palliative care ward. I don't want you in my patch. I don't want you in my patch, Adams. Fuck us. Just pit me down. Anyway. Sean, I have a question for you. Yes? So, this was a this was a draw with the Faroe Islands, which was, yes, it was. seen as a, a complete humiliation. Alan Hansen said after the game it was the worst performance in Scotland's history. However, three years earlier than this, we'd drawn with the Faroe Islands. So why Aye. why is this game number 20, I think it's 22 or 21 in our top 50 list and the other one n- barely anybody even remembers? So I suppose I suppose the one-all draw, we weren't 2-0 down. Uh, I, I think the one-all draw, we created umpteen chances and didn't take them. The one-all draw, if I remember correctly, Matt Elliott slapped a Faroe East player, so down to 10 men, I think, when we conceded. <laughs> but I think ultimately, the why the 2-2 draw is more memorable than the 1-0 draw is he what, we were utterly dominated by by the Faroes for the vast majority of the game. And I, I, I know we've already used the word mortifying, but I remember Betty Vote saying that we would, uh, that the Faroes would just defend. All they'll do is defend for 90 minutes and we'll hope to expose any mistakes we make. And honestly, the Pharaohs could have scored five. See, even when we even when we go back to 2-2, so I think uh, I think Barry Ferguson's equaliser was something like the 84th minute. Ah. Rob Douglas still had two last-ditch saves in the last kind of couple of minutes. It was it, it was dreadful. And I think the, the funny thing is of this of, of this game, the, the, the thing that sticks in my memory, it's actually got nothing to do with the, the first half or the second half or the defending or the rubbish goals that were scored. It was that it was on the BBC, I think on a Saturday afternoon, but I could be wrong about this. But it was Dougie Donnelly that was kind of hosting it back in the studio. And we were two now down and it went back to <laughs> went back to the BBC studio. And Dougie Donnelly was he was hunched. He was like hunched in his seat. He looked like a he looked like a schoolboy that had just been given a row, and he was in a cream puff, and he would like he wasn't sitting. He was, he was just sitting in a, a massive huff, and he went in this massive rant about how inept. I think I believe he said this is the most inept Scotland performance of the most inept 
45 minutes from Scotland of of all time. And like I'd been I'd been kind of simmering with rage for 45 minutes. And then as soon as I seen Dugadonly and he's run, I burst out laughing. So I kind of <laughs> needed it. But it was it was sensational. It was sensational the fact that uh we could be outclassed by a, a, a Faroese team who admittedly weren't really gubbed by anybody in that group. Uh, but aye, it was it, it was dreadful in that we scraped a draw against the Pharaohs. I think that answers that. Yeah, to provide a bit of context as well. I mean, I mean, I think fans expected a victory, obviously, but there wasn't a, a whole lot of kind of good feeling around there. There's the start of the Betty Vokes era. He'd been in charge for I think six matches beforehand. Yes. Scotland had been beaten by France, Nigeria, South Korea, Denmark and South Africa, all in friendlies. However, there was the one ray of light in that we had <laughs> defeated a, a Hong Kong League 11 for nil. I, I, I watched that game and that Hong Kong League 11 might, might, be, the worst, might be the worst team I've ever seen. And uh, I'm fairly certain Kevin Kyle scored against them. And I was really embarrassed at how, how exuberant his celebration was. Like as if it was like a really like a really vital important last minute equaliser in a and I don't know a, a semi final. I was like, come on, Kevin, you, maybe you're not as good, maybe you're not as good as I expected you to be, and uh, and he wasn't. <laughs> I, I was I was I was reading up some of the stuff like I, I, well this match is, is mortifying and I to use that for about the fourth time this <laughs> this game but I, I read that there was a pre match like that the, the pre match built it um of course as you mentioned Fowler Bertie Volts hadn't got off to the best of starts with Scotland but he said Volts declared we just need one successful match and then there will be an explosion he said prior to this game uh, and it certainly was an explosion but perhaps not in the way that um, that he he expected but I mean I was looking up at this like for, for this game my memory of this game I didn't see this game because I was working at the time I was working a Saturday job and I remember getting the bus back up, up the road and I, I expect I me mean, like my first ever game watching Scotland was a 5-0 win over the Pharaohs at Hamden, I think it was. John McGinley, so for some reason, sticks out in my brain. So, so being a young guy, I just assumed that, that we beat the Faroe Islands all the time. Like it's, they're just like absolutely, absolute jobbers. And, and to be fair, that, that, that by and large they are. So when I heard 2-2, being thoroughly, thoroughly ashamed like, like I, that, that was my that was my long lasting memories of, of that. Just being on a bus, coming back from Falkirk, feeling ashamed. Then you should never be in a bus feeling ashamed. <laughs> this is what happens when you pick Kevin Kyle and uh, Scott Dobie as your strike force. I was reading about I was reading about Scott Dobie, and he. I mean, bear in mind how poor his strike rate was, uh, not just at international level, but uh, in club level as well. He had, a, he had a couple of good seasons, but he when he gave up football. He became a policeman, but then he went into the the, the armed response unit. Yep. Do you think there's anybody like imagine you were in a situation, imagine you were being held hostage in a in a shopping center, and the policeman that turned up was 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 Scott Dobie, and you were relying on him and his ace markmanship to get you out of trouble. I mean that you're in real trouble there. Do you think it's easy to be a police marksman than it is to be an international striker? Uh I I think the I, I think Scott Doby would make both difficult. Both I, I, actually, difficult. I don't know what he looks like. So if Scott Doby came and, and tried to shoot a terrorist and accidentally shot me in the shoulder. 
I'd, 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 I'd be miffed. I suppose I don't recognise what it looks like. And it's just, I'm, I'm Scott Doby. Sorry about that. <laughs> oh, it's okay. <laughs> well, sorry, but Fowler, one of the things I was looking through the team for this, this is a fairly mediocre uh, Scotland side, but one of the things like Paul Dickov, who's a striker at Leicester at the time, was played as a, as a right winger. He had Stephen Craney. Stephen Craney, judging by the highlights of this game, Stephen Craney looked Terrible. like a really tough time of it. Morris Ross at one point was substituted. Morris Ross was playing at right back, was substituted for Graham Alexander, another right back. So he's not really doing much to change things up there. I, I, it just it seemed like just, just a big bag of shit, this game. There's no see way. The, to- see the big turnaround in this game. So we were... I mean, we're two and down. Talk about the two uh, goals. I mean, to be fair, like like uh, John Peterson's goals are really, really well taken. That second one, especially, is a lovely goal. Oh, the uh, second one. Ah, the second yes, one's brilliant. He, he he took them well. However, we, in, in terms of how well they were defended, that was that was yeah. borderline criminal. A couple of nice crosses. I don't, I don't think Scott Scott Doby would would have been able to finish that. <laughs> uh, uh, but you, uh, you talk about Dickoff being played the right mid, and you can actually see the highlights are weird. They're really put together because, well, the ones I saw, I, I looked at ones on, on YouTube, they were about six minutes long. I the thought, German? I don't know what the, it was a foreign language anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. German? And I'd imagine they're Faroese. No, they were definitely German. There was, there was German words I picked up there. What was it? Yeah. No, oh, well, maybe Not it was, because uh, it said something like, it said something like, uh, a, a totally, it was like unjustified uh, comeback from Scotland. So I presumed it was a a, a Faroese fan that had put them that had put them online. So the ones I looked at, sorry, but six minutes. It shows it, all it really shows is all the goals. So it doesn't even show um, the, the striker Pedersen uh, missing out a great chance, basically an yeah. open goal to, to score his hat trick. Uh, so didn't even get to see that. But it's weird because it still includes like thirty seconds to a minute after the first two Faroese goals are scored. And in that, and in one of those, I think it's after the first goal, you can see a ball's played into the feet of, I think it's Paul Dickoff, plays a ball in the feet of Kevin Kyle. Now, as a right winger, Kyle's expected to go down the wing, but Dickoff just charges inside. So Kyle ends up just yeah. passing the ball to nobody and then shouts at him. It's like, what the fuck are you doing here? You're supposed to go on the outside. And I think that just showed you how stupid it was to, to go with the team. So the team itself, uh, just to read it out in full, was Rab Douglas, Morris Ross, uh, Graham Alexander left, but uh, sorry, Graham Alexander came on for him. Uh, Set halves were David Weir and Christian Daly with Stephen Craney at left back. Midfield four of Paul Dickoff, Paul Lambert, Barry Ferguson, Alan Johnson on the left, and up front was Kevin Kyle and Scott Dobie. And Stevie Thompson came on for Scott Dobie. Um, did, uh, did, did Stevie Crawford? Was it no Stevie Crawford that came on? Have I just totally made that up? No, no. Stevie, Stevie Thompson came on for Doby, but that was we were, that was when it was two each at that point. I think Crawford came on for Dickov at half time. Right, so my 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 recollection was that Crawford came on at half time and did quite well. Don't, don't I, I, I thought Stevie Crawford was a a, a smashing player, but it shows you uh, it, it shows you how limited our forward options were. That Crawford comes on and he. Changes things up so, uh, like, like so much. Suddenly, we had somebody who could hold the ball up. He could play others into play. He actually looked like he knew what he was doing while playing up front, uh, which, which probably shows you where we were lacking in that first half. Also, as well, the two goals he got us back into it. Have to rubbish. say, both of them were, both them were pretty, pretty fortunate. The first one, how on earth is that goal credited to Paul Lambert? Oh, it's an old took. It, it took at least three deflections. It's it's his shot's going a mile wide. It clips the heel of Davy Weir, 
It's still going a mile wide, and then it hits the defender and goes in. There, there's two other men who are deserved of that goal more than Paul Humphrey. See, fellas, a really funny bit, I think, and it must be must have watched the same highlights, but that ball hits the back of the net. It's off John Jacobson, got a foot. It should have definitely been an own goal. There's a Scotland fan in the crowd celebrating, and he does the get it up you gesture about five times. And you're thinking, it's the fucking Faroe Islands. You're still losing. It was funny when I was watching the Scotland fans celebrate the, the, the first goal. I don't, I, I don't know if they showed you celebrating the second goal, but certainly the first goal. There was a real mix. You could tell that there were Scotland fans who were, yes, here we go. But there was definitely maybe maybe 60, 40, where it was like, I'm not celebrating that because I'm still really, really embarrassed. Oh, yeah, I remember watching at home, I didn't celebrate either of Scotland's goals. But see the, see the second goal, I mean, you know you're saying it's a bit, a bit embarrassing, but I actually thought the second goal was an, an well taken by Barry Ferguson. It's, it's, a, a, nice, it's a nice finish. It's, it's the build-up where it's, I think it's Crawford. The Aye. ball's played into him and he tries to control it. it. Oh, he it. I think he tries to control it and misses it completely, <laughs> and it ends up being a perfect dummy. And then the goal, but then the goalkeeper just like the goalie just seems to run away, and the goalie just seems to keep running. Like very often, he's like away to the left, and that and you know what happened to that goalkeeper? He ended up for selling for Stenhouse Muir later this season. Um, but uh, enough about that. But it's, you know something that's quite interesting. Though, but is it sort of like all's well that ends well? Because we we talk about this as like a, a thoroughly embarrassing def- uh, embarrassing result for Scotland. Still finish second. No, no, no. This is going to be this. I, 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 this is going to be my other point. I, I, second, we got into the playoffs against the Netherlands. I know we got ended up getting scudded by no, them. No, I, I really hate the fact that there is a bit of is, if there's a, a bit of revisionism. Revisionism, maybe there's revisionism about has Bertie time, has time made Bertie Volks's time as Scotland manager that bit kinder. No, no. I know we got to a playoff, but look at the group that we were in. See if we see if Scotland hadn't finished second in that group. Uh, I'd say there was an argument that that is the worst performance from us in a quali- qualification campaign ever. So bear in mind, we were the number two seeds. So we're in there, lumped in there with Germany, who are rubbish uh, as the number one seed. But the other teams of the group were Iceland. This is now the Iceland that was quite good, that, that eventually became good uh, in kind of a lot of years. This was the Iceland that was still absolutely rubbish. And then Lithuania and then the Faroe Islands. If we didn't finish second in that group, where three piles of shit lumped in with us, <laughs> then that would have been the worst qualifying campaign ever. And yes, we got to the we, we got to playoffs. Yes, beating Holland uh, 1-0 at Hamden was a good laugh, and I was all excited. And then we lost 6-1 in aggregate. So no, all's well that didn't end well with Bertie Votes. He was an absolute flump. You know, after after the Fairlands match, his post match interview, he was asked like, uh, "So what happened?" Bet Votes replied, "I don't know what went wrong. I can't give you any answers." <laughs> Barry, Ferguson, uh, Barry Ferguson said after the game, "Time's running out. We can't keep saying give Betty time. That's six games <laughs> that we've yet to win." So remember, uh, remember, we lost a friendly in Wales. I think it was maybe four 0 Robert Earnshaw scored the yeah. hat trick, yeah, and man. his interview afterwards was, "What can I do? I didn't have Lee Wilkie." <laughs> Lee, Lee Wilkie was shite <laughs> if, if you are high, if your entire game plan is dependent on Lee Wilkie my goodness you need a different game plan 
You know, I was on the BBC website for this for when I was researching this, and I read uh, Alan Hansen's verdict. You know, it was touched on there saying it's the worst performance he'd ever seen from Scotland. But he said one of the big reasons, I said, there's, there's so worrying there are no young players coming through. One of the big reasons is that there are too many foreigners playing in the Scottish Premier League. So I think it's safe to say that Alan Hansen predicted Brexit. <laughs> It's a real beat of a butterfly's wing moment there. If Scotland had comfortably beaten the Faroe Islands, say they'd run out like 3-1 winners or so, Brexit might never have happened. We might not have been here. A sliding doors moment that I hadn't really considered. There you go. You know, sometimes you just, you've got to go back all that time and just uh, say like Alan Hansen said it would happen. And he, he's absolutely right. He did say there was too many like uh, foreign players playing for Rangers and Celtic. I had a look at the, the there was an old firm game from October 2002. And there's only three Scottish players in the, the, the combined starting lineup. So maybe he was on to something. But one of the things you would say, Sean, I'm just going to ask, I know that, that, that you really don't like Bertie Folks. A lot of the the, the 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 problems he had as Scotland manager, other subsequent managers have had as well. Well, in, in terms of not having enough and yeah. enough good Scottish players, yeah. I, I don't think we were. Uh, I, I don't think we were festooned uh, with with talent during the the, the Berry Vokes era. But I, I think he, he very much made matters worse. I, I think I'd be safe to say. Just keep Scottish Scotland for Scottish managers. <laughs> No, just 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 have decent managers. Just 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 don't employ thunderheads. It's, it's quite simple. They, 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 could be, they could be from Scotland. They could be from England. They could be from uh, any nation. Just just don't employ thunderheads. So basically, I think that the three of us can get behind the campaign for John Hughes to be the next Scotland manager. <laughs> see, see the bit where I say don't employ thunderheads. I, I think that rules him out immediately. Another thing as well, sorry, just another couple of points that I wrote down. That's my least favourite Scotland strip. Absolutely hated it. It's minging those sort of like white pinstripes. And the advertisements around the ground, they were advertising Safeway and Rockport very of its time because at that point, Rockport. I noticed that as well. I, thought, I, thought it was like, I think it was like the Cairn, the Cairngorms Hotel. Cairngorms I was like, right, so, so do they always, do they always have uh, sponsorship at a tough tier or, or just for today? It would be for like uh, the the home the, the home support. I'm sure there's games that, that have been uh, played at Hamden where there've been support that's that's for um, like b- brands of crisps that you've never heard of before. But Fowler, I know that, that you and I would have been in school at the same time. Were Rockport's a big thing at your school? Where everyone, well, certainly certainly the, the more affluent people would wear Rockport's. Yes, yes, Rockport's were a big thing. Yeah. I don't I think don't, I've owned Rockport's. No, 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 I wore uh, it was uh, Jimmy Choo's for kids. I wore. <laughs> Right, I think that'll do us. Thank you very much, Telfer. Yeah, thank you. That was good. That was good fun. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much, Sean. And no, thank you. And to everybody listening, uh, please, please enjoy your football on Saturday. <laughs> please, next Tuesday, if I don't, if I'm not on a show since then, please, please come and have something, anything. Goodbye. Bye. Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. 
Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.